0: This is Allison. And this is Beverly. Welcome back to Shaky Understanding. Today we are talking about a certain play. (laughs) So there's a bunch of superstition
1: around this play in particular. And there's a tradition in theater circles to not say the name of this play or the name of the main character of this play inside a theater. Unless you are performing the play. Even during rehearsals, they'll say, like, Mr. McBee or Lady McBee. So, if you're in a theater, please leave so that death and destruction will not rain upon your head. Angels and ministers of grace defend us. (laughs) Angels and ministers of grace defend us.
0: The name of the play is Macbeth. I got you. We said it. And now it's out there. Now we can... I feel like now we can say it the rest of the podcast because we said it once.
1: Absolutely. Um, Though, if you do say it inside a theater or... You are listening to this inside a theater. The only way to get uncursed is to go outside, spit in a circle, counterclockwise, I think, curse and spit, and then you have to knock and someone has to let you back in.
0: That's slightly simpler than the version I know, which is that you have to run around the whole theater, the outside of the building, and then curse
1: and then spit and then go back inside. I mean, you might as well do both. It's basically a cootie shot. Yeah. So with that, why don't you give us a little summary? (laughs) So here's some Shakespeare abridged. So we start this play on the battlefield. Duncan, who's the King of Scotland, has won a huge victory, and he finds out that the Thane of Cawdor has been killed. And oh god, I paused before I said it. Uh, Macbeth has been crucial in defeating these forces, and so Duncan has decided to give him the Thane ship. Now, Macbeth doesn't know this, and we cut to Another spot on the battlefield, Macbeth and Banquo run into the Weird Sisters, Ooh. which are these three witches who are cooking up some soup, and they tell Macbeth that he will be the Thane of Cawdor and the King of Scotland, and they tell Banquo that his sons will be the King of Scotland, and then they disappear into the mist. And Banquo and Macbeth are like, I don't know, man, I don't know if that's true, and then right then, this messenger comes in and tells Macbeth, hey, by the way, the king says you're the Thane of Cawdor. Congratulations. Thank you for fighting. And Macbeth is like, oh, my God, that came true. What if the rest of this comes true? And Bank was like, whoa, that's crazy. We're both going to be king. And Macbeth was like, yeah. And then he. <laughs> so much subtext in that one word. <laughs> <laughs> but for real. But for real. <laughs> so Macbeth meets back up with Duncan and is like, thank you so much. And Duncan's like, let's have dinner at your house. So he sends a letter ahead to his wife telling her of the witch's prophecy and that he and the king are coming. And actually, I think he only tells her that the witch is prophesized because then a messenger comes in and is like, hey, the king's coming for dinner. And she's like, why didn't he tell me that? Typical husband stuff. Yeah, typical dude.
0: Guess what, honey? (laughs) La 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 la. boyfriend is coming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The boys are coming over for a beer. (laughs) P.S.
1: Anyway... So Lady M is so excited. It was like, oh my God, I'm going to be queen. He's going to be king. We need to make this happen right away. And she basically invokes all these dark spirits and says, unsex me here. Make me a man so I can do the dark deeds I need to do to become queen. And then Macbeth comes in. He's like, hey, did you get my letter?" And she's like, yeah, we're going to kill the king. He's like, what? I'm not sure that's a good idea. And she's like, no, trust me. And he's like, okay. So they had their dinner and Macbeth is still really torn. He doesn't know whether he wants to kill the king or if he should just wait for these things to happen. And Lady M basically says, are you a man? Like, you promised me you'd do this. Now you're not going to do it. He says, you're right, I'm going to do it. There's all these images of supernatural signs. He sees a dagger floating before him, and then he kills the king. And you don't really know if it's Macbeth going crazy or if he's seeing signs or if he's just so racked by guilt that this is what his brain's doing to him. And so he murders the king with the knives of the drunk guards of the king. And so they're going to blame the guards for the king's murder. And the next day, Macbeth comes and is like, hey, the king told me to wake him up to take him to my house. And he goes inside and the king is dead. And everyone's like beside themselves. They can't believe that the king would be murdered here of all places, like in a house, like after the war. Macbeth comes out and is like feigning shock with Lady Macbeth. And they're both like, Oh my God, look, these knives from the guards, they were covered in the King's blood. And I murdered those guards because I was so enraged that they could kill the King. And a couple people are like, that's sort of weird that he would just straight murder the guards instead of questioning them in front of everyone else. Now, Duncan, the King who was just murdered has two sons, Malcolm and Donna Bain, and they look to each other and are like, Hey, someone just murdered our dad. They're probably going to try and murder us. So they run away. And some people are like, oh, they must have been the murderers. Like, they must have been the ones who hatched the plot against their dad Mm. so that they could have the power. So they make Macbeth the king of Scotland. So then Macbeth is like, this is great, I'm king. But now I'm super paranoid because those witches said I would be king. But they said Banquo's sons would be kings too. Banquo's still alive. His sons are still alive. I'm going to have them murdered. I'm going to be king forever. And so he has... Uh, murderers go and murder Banquo and Banquo's son, Fleance, but Fleance escapes. Banquo is murdered, sadly, and Fleance gets away. The murderers come back and tell Macbeth this, and he's like, oh, this is great. Banquo was murdered. And then they're like, hey, but his son got away. I hope that's cool. And he's just distraught as all hell and he can't even fathom. And he's told this at a feast with all these nobles of Scotland. They're all about to toast to the new king and everything. And he suddenly sees Banquo's ghost and starts acting nuts in front of everyone. And Lady Anne is like, why, do you, why are you looking over there? You can't be crazy in front of people. That's, that's not cool, honey. And he's like, uh, I'm just gonna go to bed. And that's what he does. <laughs> so then we see Macduff, the person who discovered that Duncan was dead, who's been kind of rabble rousing. He's been pretty against Macbeth being king. And he ends up going to London to talk to to talk to Malcolm, who is Duncan's rightful heir to the kingdom of Scotland. And they are talking about going to war. And during this, Macbeth hears about this and decides, you know what, I'm gonna murder Macduff and his wife and his kids. So he sends murderers to his house. But Macduff isn't there, but they murder his wife and kids. And Macduff hears about this and is like, all right, we're going to war. We're going to kill Macbeth. And so Malcolm and Macduff lead an army against Macbeth. Macbeth tells his wife, he tells Lady M, I'm going to go to the witches. I'm going to find out some more stuff. And we're going to figure out if I can defeat these people or not. And the witches show him all these things. Uh, they have the other, the god of like Discord, Hecate, with them. They have a whole scene with hecate They tell Macbeth that he won't be killed until the forest of Burnhamwood marches on Dunsinane, which is the castle where he's holed up in as the King of Scotland. And he says, oh, well, that's great. The forest can't move, this will be great. And then they also tell him that he cannot be killed by anyone who was born from a woman. And he said, oh, great, but that's the only way humans are born. So I'm totally chill. And then he goes back to his castle feeling very confident and then a messenger comes in and is like, Hey, the forest is kind of moving. He's like, what? And it turns out that Malcolm and Macduff's forces have cut down trees and held them in front of them to disguise their numbers. So they can't tell how many soldiers they have. So all of the prophecies are coming true. And Macbeth's like sweating a little bit and he's like, it's okay, everyone's still born from a woman, right? And they're like, yeah. And Lady M is having all these troubles sleeping. And there's a scene where she's seen washing her hands over and over again and saying out oh, damn spot, which is something you may have heard. And it turns out that like her guilt is having effect on her and she's sleepwalking and having all these terrible things. And then it's revealed she kills herself and dies. And then Macbeth is like, "Uh, really wish she wouldn't have done that pretty much. They have the forces coming towards them. The war happens basically at Dunsinane and Macbeth is having great victories on the field. and. All these people are trying to kill him, but they can't. And he finally runs into Macduff. And Macduff is like, oh, I've been waiting for this. You killed my wife and son. Uh, Prepare to die. And um, he says, oh, well, you shouldn't fight me because I can't be killed by anyone born from a woman. And Macduff says, guess what? I was from my mother's womb, untimely raped. Which basically means he was C-section baby. Which basically means that he can kill Macbeth. And they fight, and there's a big battle, and Macduff kills Macbeth. Malcolm is crowned King of Scotland. And everyone is like, hail King of Scotland at the end. And that's the end. And we think Fleance will lead them eventually, but we don't really know. Cool. So... Um. So we have some special guests here today. So we have Elise Dubois and Alexia Docs here.
0: Hi. Hey guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we are awesome. the
0: co-creators, co-writers, co-producers of the Real Housewives with Shakespeare. Yeah. Which is hilarious, guys. Yee. It's on the YouTube's, on the internet, and you should yep. be checking it out. Yeah. The whole first season is up, so you can literally binge-watch all seven episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, and so. it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it's they're fun, all too. yeah. They're also some Shakespeare experts, which is great because this is a pretty complicated play
1: and I've got some
0: I've got some questions and I got some things to discuss this is something I brought up earlier I feel like is this play just about justifying England invading Scotland and Shakespeare was like don't worry guys they wanted us to take them over see they spend too much time listening to ghosts and stuff and witches we should bring some political savviness
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean is that did has that ever occurred to anyone else i think shakespeare is definitely he's been hired by the monarchy to make them look better for sure there's a couple mm. of plays that he does that for i think richard ii in particular i was like something. richard the third. not richard the third. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were crazy crazy guys <laughs> No, I think Richard II, though, I think that's one that's okay. been cited as that. Again, history is my mulligan subject, so I'm not right. good at this aspect of it. But he's definitely in the past been known to paint England as this great thing, and other countries as not so great mm-hmm. for political reasons. Because the monarchy was the one funding his place, for mm-hmm. sure. School spirit.
0: All right. <laughs> School spirit. Yeah, so that's just a thought that, that I had. So in act four, scene three, Ross comes in and he's like, hey, no, everything's fine. Like everyone's alive. It's all good. And then about two paragraphs later, he's like, oh yeah, but by the way, your wife and whole family has been murdered.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what's up with that? (laughs) This is a classic situation of why reading Shakespeare doesn't work. Ta-da. Um, because that scene is all about subtext because yeah. if you if you look at it there's double meaning in everything he says he says trying to like put it on softly
0: and then he's like "Yeah,
1: okay I'm just gonna tell you like oh god there's so no easy way
0: to say this yeah okay so it's like if you wreck your parents car your car is here yeah, yeah your exactly. car has tires yeah. <laughs> your car still turns on <laughs> But it's dead. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what he does. Macduff says, how does my wife... And we've just seen them murdered on stage. Macduff says, how does my wife... And Ross says, why, well. And Macduff says, and all my children. And Ross says, well, too. And, I mean, what he's saying is basically, like, they're in heaven. Like, they're doing well because...
0: They're in the eternal
1: realm of goodness, but it's they're dead Mm. and he's speaking really short and there's like Mm -hmm. periods like he's not and if you read it um in meter you can do why well eight blank spaces of empty space where that's just hanging oh (laughs) Oh, snap so you
0: know
1: how does how does my children do and all my children space 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 yeah Well, too. Space, yeah. space, 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 space.
0: I think Macbeth's lines are also like that when, mm-hmm. um, after they find out uh, Duncan's dead, I think his lines are also like, huh, uh, uh, you know, like yeah. Yeah. like Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But is this play in meter?
1: Uh, some of it is, yeah. Some of sure. Yeah. Though some of the witches' stuff is, yeah. Things like the Porter, lower class people, not so much. Right. Things like uh, Lady Macbeth and Macbeth, yeah. Especially when they're on fire together, I think. That's how
0: you know it's getting sexy. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a lot of sex
1: and gender symbolism in the play.
0: Mm, Who
1: wants to talk about that? Yeah, this play deals a lot with that. Lady M is a very masculine character. Like, her taking the lead on the whole... Ayo, on the whole Elise plays Lady Ham on uh, Real Housewives of Shakespeare. Nice! She's <laughs> super manly. I'm very manly. And I think you guys do a really great job of showing that, like, she's clearly the brains behind the operation of the Macbeth household. Yeah, absolutely. Macbeth comes in and... He's very, like, noble still. And he's like, I'm not sure we should kill the king. I mean, it's great that I'm Thane of Cador. Let's just be Thane of Cador for a second. She's like, nope. We're going to be king and queen right now. And you're going to straight up murder this guy. And she convinces him. And part of the reason... She's able to, the way Shakespeare sets it up is Mm. right before he comes in, when she's reading the letter and saying like, this is great, we're going to be king and queen, she literally calls the spirits and says, unsex me here and make me a man, take away my gentle natures that are supposed to be for women and make me a man. And later when she does convince him, he says, have male sons only saying like, you're you are not meant to be womanly in any aspect even your Mm. children need to be men because you're so like bloodthirsty basically Mm. and even she calls him out she's like are you a man like you said you were gonna kill the king and now you're not going to are you a man and convinces him through that she shames him for being womanish when she is so on fire she's like ready to go she's hamlet act five (laughs) straight up in act one Uh, yeah
0: because I would say just growing up doing theater the Scottish play there's just like a lot of things that you hear about it Mm -hmm. even before you read it you just like you kind of know the plot when I was reading it Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, she comes on stage and is right away like jumping into some of the most famous speeches. Yeah. She's like, hey, here I am. I'm ready to murder everyone. And also, I was a little bit surprised. I feel like she doesn't have that much stage time for being such a well known character. She's really only in about three scenes, I learned. Say three or four, yeah. She's not, maybe, yeah. She's not in a lot, but I think that speaks to just like the powerful nature of her character that she's not on stage that much, and it's everybody talks about it all the time, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's probably the most memorable character in the whole play, I would say.
1: You (laughs) will, and I think, like you said, she's not in very many scenes, but every single one of her scenes is iconic, yes. Yep, unsex me here. And then her next scene is, art thou a man? Yep. And then her next scene is, like, out damn spot. And then she's dead. (laughs) And then she's dead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, she does have the
1: dinner scene. Yeah, she's in a couple other scenes as, like, um, a supporting character. But those are, like, the scenes that she's the main part of. Mm -hmm. And all of those are incredibly iconic. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really interesting. It's called Macbeth. But she's definitely the driving force for Mm. the first half of the play. Well, she's also Macbeth. Mm -hmm. True. It's interesting things don't really start going wrong until he stops planning with her, too. Because at a certain point, she's like, wait, what are you going to do? And he's like, "Uh, I don't want to tell you. It's better if you just don't know at this point. And that's when he's plotting the death of, like, Macduff's wife and child. And I Mm. think it was Banquo as well. I think that's when he tells her
0: that in particular. That's interesting, too, because I feel like, you know, kind of in the ether of, of the theater world is slightly this idea that, I mean, obviously you know that Lady M totally manipulates Macbeth into, Mm -hmm. like, killing the king. But then it's kind of like, but then he goes crazy, maybe, and is just like,
1: hey, I feel like I should kill everyone now. Yeah, he gets very paranoid. There's definitely yeah. a whole theme of like paranoia and what power does to a person's brain in this play. Yeah, One yeah, ring totally. to rule them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From,
0: yeah. Hey, hey, I mean, I might not have my Shakespeare nerd card yet, but I've got all the other ones in my wallet. I'm ready. Macbeth equals golem. Love it. <laughs> Side note: Whatever. Do you know the story behind like the creation of the Ents is is inspired by Macbeth? What? You, you don't know this? I don't when J.R. Tolkien was younger and reading Macbeth in school or in life or whatever, went to Oxford, yeah, and he was reading it and he was like, oh, the forest is gonna move. This is gonna be great. And then when it turns out to just be the army, like pretending to be the trees, he was really disappointed. <laughs> and so when he sits down to write Lord of the Rings, he was like, you know what, I'm freaking included. All oh, forest that's gonna come and screw you over, Isengard." That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. I can I'm so glad you didn't know that. My much. heart
1: is great. And I gotta tell
0: you that. That's so funny. And he's like, you know who I'm (laughs) going to base the the main tree on? My good friend C.S. Lewis. (laughs) So I read this one play on my own, you guys. I wasn't able to make it to the reading. And I am really proud of myself. It seems like it's a very daunting play because it does have this kind of mysterious quality. Yes. Okay. And all this superstition around it. But you were right. First of all, there's... No B plot in this play at all. It's It's just straight up like. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not even a murder mystery. It's like a crime (laughs) drama, basically. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's complicated is all of these different political allies Mm -hmm. and where everyone stands. It's
1: which army are you on?
0: Yeah. That's the game. When you play the Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. you either win or you die. Hashtag so many good references.
1: Game of Thrones, in particular, in the past two seasons, has been drawing a lot from Shakespeare. Just wanna, just want throw that out there. I
0: know you guys are doing, you know, sort of parodies of Shakespeare. Are there themes from this play in particular that you drew on in that oh, episode? Yes, ma'am. It's like you were talking about the out damn spot thing yeah. when Lady Macbeth loses her damn mind and she has like the hypothetical blood in her hand that she can't get mm-hmm. off. Right. So as I'm when I was writing this episode for Real Housewives. She's obsessed with hand lotion and she's constantly rubbing hand lotion on because her hands are so dry. Um, (laughs) and then also I made them have a, or an all natural, all organic cleaning product company. But Even like more subtle things of like, like you say, like Lady Macbeth is not totally in the play. Right. But in our episode, she's basically the whole episode. She's the one that does all the talk. (laughs) Macbeth is the one, like he barely (sighs) has any lines and he's always just agreeing with her. Yeah. It's like, oh sure honey, you know, it's it's just just kind of in the background. Um, Nice. Even when we murder Dunk in Scotland, you see like she's knocking on the door and being like, hello. And he's kind of standing back, like, I don't want to do this. And she drags him in. Nice. A lot of like just subtle references to the play of right. like, yeah, he didn't want to do this, but. It's Bitch wanted the empire. <laughs> right. <laughs> Duncan Scotland is like Duncan. the main investor of Madame McBethy's all natural, all organic cleaning supplies. Uh-huh. And um, oh they my God, that's end amazing. up. I mean, basically, like, the plot is like to kill him and then take over the company. Take over the company, right. which they do. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that they're planning a benefit in his honor. A little. <laughs> well, a little it's heavy. every year since he died, they plan the Duncan Scotland, Die Too Soon, We Miss You Every Day memorial charity event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's their yeah. way of honoring him so yeah so that actually is what will happen in um the final episode is takes place I at it. the benefit
1: oh, Damn. Shit. I'm, I'm so, so excited yeah.
0: so beyond <laughs> the real house lives of shakespeare what are some other modern day adaptations of the scottish play i know we were just discussing a modern day film version That uses all the original text with Michael Fassbender and Marianne Coutillard that came out in the fall, I believe.
1: Yeah, pretty, yeah. yeah. Which I've heard has great cinematography. (laughs) It's uh, very pretty.
0: It's very pretty.
1: Uh, But might not focus so much in on the characters.
0: I did want to talk about the witches because I feel like they're one of the most famous parts of the show and we didn't even talk about them because... Again, when you just hear about Macbeth, you just hear like, "Oh yeah, and the three witches." Hello. First of all, this
1: heckit chick shows up. Take it away, guys. This Dude. is one of the plays that uses supernatural stuff. It's like this one, Tempest, and something else. Mm, I feel like there's Tempest, one other. Tempest definitely. Tempest uh, does. Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah. Yes. I think that's kind of it. I mean, there's a ghost in Hamlet. Is that Ghosts not supernatural? Ghosts that's, are different. I mean, because it's more. That's more in the realm of, like, Christianity Supernatural. Got it. This is more in the realm of, like, magic. Like, yes. Of magic,
0: of Tolkien, of C.S. Yes. Lewis, and there all we, the others. There we go. <laughs> the other
1: nerd cards, so to
0: speak. Yes. Excellent. <laughs>
1: yeah, so he brings in these witches, and it's actually the first thing you see in the play. And they're just doing magic on stage. And uh, it's really cool. Oh, I'm about to get all emotional. <laughs> This is the play I saw at the Globe Theatre in oh, London. It nice. was the only play I saw at the Globe. And I Solid could not chase. have been more excited. Nice. I was crying when I walked in. I was just sitting in line so I could be up front for the Groundlings area. So I was literally like hands on the stage, like watching Macbeth. And also, Pippin from Lord of the Rings played Banquo. So yeah. it was like... What? I was... i was. I, my hands are very small right now. I was this close to his calf. His sword will stab oh, me in the wow. face. And I shook hands oh, with Macbeth during the play at one Ooh. point. Because I laughed. Can I tell the story? Yes! So I wanted you to tell the story. <laughs> so when I saw this play, I love Shakespeare so much, clearly. And... I got things that not everyone in that theater got. Actually, at intermission, this dad was like, does anybody know what's going on? And I just explained the entire first half of the yeah, play. Yes! Yeah. Um, you. They did the favorite staging I've ever seen of when Banquo gets murdered. So they killed Banquo, and Flance runs up out through the audience, Yes. And Banquo's dead body is on stage, who's Pippin from Lord of the Rings also. So, like, Pippin is dead on stage.
0: No, Pippin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Billy Boyd is his real name. Uh,
0: (laughs) He's also an actual human being and not a hobby.
1: (laughs) What? So he gets murdered and his dead body's on stage and the murderer rolls him upstage. So towards the back of the auditorium and like a trap door opens. So he's going to roll him into this like pit basically. And he's rolling him. And right then you hear like footsteps and it's Macbeth in full royal garb, like a huge fur cape. And the, the murderer's rolling him, and Macbeth jumps over the murderer and Banquo in this hole. And, like, right as Banquo falls into this, like, grave, and Macbeth is like, ha ha, now I am king and no one can stop me. And he finally feels like confident for the first time because he thinks, like, he's taking care of anybody who's gonna kill him. <laughs> and he's just like, ha ha. And literally, the entire theater is silent because they just watched this murderer try and kill them. And I, being me, crack up <laughs> because I'm like, "That's so smart! I know exactly why you're doing what you're doing." And he looks me in the eye and is like, "Thank you." <laughs> and I'm like freaking out, and I'm right there at the stage, yeah. And I put my hand out for him to shake, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> And he looks down at me, and he goes to shake my hand, and pulls it back like, "Gotcha!" Like, oh my god. <laughs> shakes my hand and like goes off and does the rest of the play. Aww. I was
0: like, you're on fire, dude. Damn. <laughs> who was playing my best? Just an uh, actor? Um, just an actor, sure, just an actor? <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't just know his name. an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Frodo, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Quick addendum, that actor's name was Joseph Milson. He was great. He did a really good job, but I was really excited too because the guy who played Malcolm, which is a tiny role, I'd seen him do like six other plays oh, from sweet. Recording versions. of the sweet. So I, was, sweet. I met him in the gift store while everyone was like freaking out over Pippin in the alleyway. I met him in the gift store. He was walking. No one was talking to him. And I was like, I'm so excited to meet him. <laughs> started crying. He was very alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> touched but also like wow she's so oh my excited god. oh my god that's amazing right. so funny okay so my point is when I saw this at the globe you're just sitting there waiting for the play to start and then these girls start coming out and start talking about magic and like sort of summoning this like evil force and it's a really powerful way to start this play and set the tone for the whole play and mm. that the first thing you see is these ladies being like we're about to do some evil ready here's the play Nice. And that's like the start.
0: So and you said you had done something with the Weird Sisters? Yeah, that's episode it. 5 of Real Housewives of Shakespeare cuz Lady Macbeth doesn't do anything without consulting her psychics. Oh, hey, what we did there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. The Weird Sisters in our player um three. I guess you know those like LA shops you see with like psychic, like come in, like tarot, ooh, $5. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're kind of, they're basically that and um they get their, like, quote-unquote special powers by um, smoking some ganja and, like, passing <laughs> the bong around. And that's what, you know, they all kind of, like, get all, like, happy feeling, and then they say their, um, their response and what they, they <laughs> see in the future. Yeah, Excellent. so very similar to, like, the cauldron blowing. The smoke from the bowl <laughs> is blowing Ooh. the air. The American Shakespeare center... Yeah, they came to my school, to my college, nice. and did some workshops with us. And they were talking about the meter in one of Macbeth's speech when he says tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Mm. And the way that the meter falls. And it's so, it's just tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Mm. So mar is the stress It's the part. thing that jumps out. Interesting. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes I know things. <laughs> Oh, talking about modern adaptations? Yeah. Yeah. Another good one is, I think, House of Cards. Oh, yes. Especially, like, now that we've done, like, the last season. I don't know if you've seen the last
1: season. I haven't watched any of it, but my haven't watched it, And I've been seeing it.
0: It focuses more on Claire. And I think that just, like, I don't Mm. know. Yeah, stresses it even more. I don't want to give away,
1: like. What too much. But I saw the first episode of House of Cards, and like as soon as it ended, I was like, "This is like if Richard III married Lady Macbeth." Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like though the trope of a manipulative wife is something that you do see mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff. Yes, yeah. and
1: the witches' stuff. You're right. You
0: do see, and I mean, "Double, double toil and trouble" yeah. is quoted in everything.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure in Hocus Pocus they use that, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, you know, you straight up got three witches there, and in Harry Potter, Mm I think it's the third movie, they Uh, open with this chorus of frogs, Mm -hmm. which is the song, that's direct quotes, and I can't believe I didn't bring this up sooner, Uh, this play is actually referenced in the 16-nominated Tony Award musical, Mm -hmm. Hamilton. Oh. Hamilton. Oh. Also mistakenly called Hamlet by, <laughs> by this woman. There's the top tweet on Lin-Manuel Miranda's Twitter feed is this woman. He's like, this woman leaned out her car window today and said, congratulations on Hamlet. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he references, he. the line is, um, I trust you understand the reference to another Scottish tragedy without my having to name the play. Ooh, he says that whoa. so he doesn't say the name of the play okay. in the but then he says the name Macbeth later, but he doesn't exactly say it as the play name. So I think that's how he's getting around this superstition. Cool. So he says, or they you... think me Macbeth. And then he names everyone else. Or maybe there. they all like run around the theater. After.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Technical aspect this week, I'm actually going to cover because I wrote a research paper in college on Sarah Siddons, who was an actress in London in the late 1700s. And pretty much revolutionized acting through her portrayal of a lot of characters. But she is very closely tied with her portrayal of Lady M. Of Lady Macbeth. And Chris Woodworth, if you're listening to this podcast, I wrote this entire research paper and never read the play Macbeth. But I still (laughs) got an A on my paper. And I still actually presented this paper at a theater conference in Chicago. So confession time,
1: results may vary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So basically, Sarah Siddons, who, that's her married name, was not really an actress when she was younger. She started acting later when she was in school, then she got some theater patrons. She went to London at one point and performed as Portia in The Merchant of Venice mm. and got really horrible reviews. Oh, and they kind of sent her back to the countryside and we're <laughs> like, why don't you not be in London right now? So then she worked with the Bath Company, which performed in Bath and Bristol, and there she really got really good. Mm-hmm. And so then they brought her back to London. She comes back to London for the second time and begins to perform there. And she has this very natural style of acting, and natural meaning she's always in the scene. A lot of actors at that time were just kind of like, let me say my line. Now I'll stand here and wait. Now I'll say my line. And she, whenever she was on stage, she was always engaged in what was going on and was always reacting, even when she wasn't speaking. The biggest thing that she did that was different, because at this time a lot of roles are also very codified, almost sort of similar to the way that you would see uh, traveling musicals now. Like, it's going to be sort of the same choreography if you see it in Indianapolis and if you see it okay. in Boston yeah. if you see it here. So roles are very, very codified. So if you come in to play Juliet, you're going to do this blocking. It's going to be this way. And she wanted to, in the sleepwalking scene, Put the candle down when she walks on stage and then rub her hands as though she was actually trying to wash her hands and, and get blood off of them and the director was like please don't do that no one's done that just hold the candle on stage and say your lines and she said no so she goes out on stage for this performance puts the candle down And then starts rubbing your hands, you know, out damn spot. And the whole audience loses it. They're like, oh my god, everything's realistic. And the director, after this performance, came down and Siddons is quoted as saying that Mr. Sheridan most ingeniously congratulated me on my obstinacy. End quote. (laughs) She was so famous in London, it was basically impossible to get tickets to any of her performances for anything at the Covent Garden Theater. Like Hamilton. Got it. Yeah. Especially if she was playing Lady Macbeth. Right. The audience is, was so enraptured with her performance because it is so naturalistic, which they're not used to seeing someone, you know, just listening to another person and, and acting and reacting through that. There's reports of people fainting in the audience watching her perform. There's reports of men men crying during her tragic performances because she's just so intense and so into it. And there's a story that I read when I started researching my research paper and I haven't been able to find it again. So it's apocryphal, but... What? Meaning it is not... Completely fact checked. Got it. That her last performance as Lady M, and she was like, I'm gonna retire after this. The audience was cheering so much, she came back on stage and basically improved a monologue as Lady M for the audience because they just would not stop clapping. So, Sarah Siddons and her portrayal of Lady Macbeth do essentially give birth to what we know as modern day natural acting. In conclusion,
1: bitches get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In
0: conclusion. <laughs> wow. For sure. Cool. Yeah. So she's, she's a pretty cool chick that yeah. Sarah sins. So we're going to have
1: our guests read today. So this scene is act one, scene seven, and this is when they're having dinner with Duncan, the king still alive at their house. Macbeth has left the room and basically Lady Macbeth is like, why are you leaving? They're going to think something's up. And he's like, well, something is up. And they talk about whether they're really going to murder Duncan or not. And this is a, a great scene that shows Lady M really pushing him. Cool. Take, take right. it away, guys. Yeah, <clears throat> you, he has almost
0: supped. Why have you left the chamber? Hath he asked for me? No, you not, he has. We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late and I have... I've bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which would be worn now into their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since, and wakes it now to look so green and pale as what it did so freely? From this time such I account thy love. Art thou fear to be in thy same, in thine own act and valor as thou art in desire? would thou have which thou esteem the ornaments of life and live a coward in thy own esteem? Letting I dare not wait upon I would, like the poor cat in the cave. Prithee, peace, I dare do all that may become a man who dares do more is none. What beast was it, then, that made you break into this enterprise to me? When do you durst do it? Then you were a man, and to be more than that what you were, you would be so much more the man. Nor time nor place did then adhere, and yet you would make both. They have made themselves, and that their fitness now does unmake you. I have given suck. And I know how tender it is to love the babe that milks me. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn as you have done to this. If we should fail. We fail, but screw your courage to the sticking place and we'll not fail. (laughs) When Duncan is asleep. To the rather shall his day's hard journey soundly invite him. His two chamberlains will I with wine and sail so convinced that memory, the water of the brain, shall be a fume and the receipt of reason a limbic only. When in swinish sleep their drenched natures lies as in death, what cannot you and I perform upon the unguarded Duncan? What not put upon his spongy officers who shall bear the guilt of our great Bring forth men, children only, for thy undunted metal should compose nothing but males. Will it not be received
1: when we have marked with blood those sleepy two of his own chamber, and used their very daggers that they have dunt? Who dares receive it
0: other, as we shall make our griefs and clamour roar upon his death? I am settled, and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat. Away, and mock the time with fairest show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. Let's do it! Let's do
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, lovely. So, where can they find Real Housewives of Shakespeare?
0: Oh, um, on our Facebook page. Yeah, Facebook slash Real Housewives of Shakespeare. And um, also on YouTube, you can find us um, if you just also Google "Real Housewives of the Shakespeare" with the first video. Cool, fabulous! Thanks for coming, you guys. Awesome, have fun. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. This is Allison and Beverly.
1: <laughs> deuces,
0: deuces! Oh. What? So yes. I'm obsessed with Twelfth Night right now. Oh, you'll um, love it. It takes place after Twelfth Night. Yeah. yeah, it's Olivia dealing with the aftermath of why am I married to the twin that I didn't fall in love with? That's, oh. I mean, like after reading that play, you're like, wait, okay, you just married you a you just stranger, married someone you don't even know, and you're okay with you're it? And everyone's first. like, <laughs> this is great, and play's over. You're right. <laughs> it's like, what? You yeah. look like the person I fell in love with. Same shit.